Welcome to Salt and Light. It's wonderful to have you with us, joining us, and as we speak about the Lordship of Christ in all areas of life, I'm Charles van Veek, and we are going to be dealing today with the issue of how does one apply or get a job? What what are the circumstances we're sitting in South Africa with uh, statistics showing that there's a lot of unemployed people in our country? I've heard of a whole large companies um, closing down. And uh, friends of mine have been uh, speaking to me about that who are in the business world. I'm a full-time missionary, so I run off information given to me from others. But uh, we have Ian and Nicole in the studio with us, and they uh, have set up a business before, and that's been sold. But we'll get into those details with them right now. But uh, let's get stuck into our program. Ian, welcome to Salt and Light. Hello, Charles. Thank you. Hello, listeners. Nicole, welcome. Thanks, Charles. Hello, all. So we have had Ian and Nicole with us before. Ian, could you just give us a little bit of your background, your journey in the world of business so that uh, we can uh, let people know where we're coming from on our program? Yes, Charles. So Nicole and I started a business in 2004 here in Cape Town. We grew it uh, into what a medium-sized operation with approximately 50 employees, and we sold it in 2020, early 2020, pre-COVID, nothing to do with COVID. The sale was totally unrelated. And then we worked for a year on contract with the operation that bought us. And then we left the business and we now do a little bit of business mentoring and sort of lectures on sustainable business. Well, more like mission work, <laughs> ministry, <sense. laughs> yes. Nicole, uh, where, how, what part did you play in the whole building up of your business? How did things get started? Well, um, Charlotte, it was an idea that then we kind of joke and say an idea that got out of control. And God <laughs> blessed us abundantly, and we could definitely see his hand in the business. Um, so I was, out of the two of us, I was um, the first one who was full-time in the business because um, you need money to make money. So Ian had um, another job. He had, to bankroll. Both, he had to bankroll you. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Ian joined our business full-time and it definitely went to the next level because we were both um, in the business full-time. So you're having your own business is exciting. It's not easy. It's a lot of work, but um, it is also rewarding. Fantastic. Well, what we're going to look at um, today is the whole issue of employment. When you say you had around 50 workers, I cringe and I just think trouble, problems, chaos. <laughs> and I'm speaking as a missionary. I'm not even a businessman. <laughs> yeah, Charles, that's not too far from the truth in a lot of uh, in a lot of cases. I can't say for all the cases, but. In, in a number of cases, that is exactly what employers will experience, is heartache mm. and headache. Um, so if I can just share, uh, and possibly I'm jumping the gun, but if I can just share a few insights. Please, please go I, ahead. Um, to those folk who are listening who may be discouraged, that's firstly, don't be discouraged. You really do need to get out and hand out your CV. And, and our practical experience, that's how we hired most of our staff, is people coming and knocking on doors. But that is hard work, and people do get… It is. Um, it is hard work, hmm. and it is can be discouraging. Yes. But the way I suggest you look at it is that there is a, a yes out there. The faster you get through the no's, 
the sooner you're going to get to the yes. Yes, I've spoken to businessmen who, if they, for instance, wanting to buy, you know, something, they'll work through two hundred different products to get what they want, um, and and they don't get discouraged. They look at this and say, well, there's there's 199 we know that we definitely can't use. <laughs> yes, you know, so we got to have that mindset. Exactly. Of, of so you got to be you got to be robust. You got to be strong. You got to see the no's as inevitable in some sense, but you will find the yeses. But once you get your foot in the door, or actually to get your foot in the door, you know things like offering someone, "I work for you for a month. Pay my just pay my travel. Yeah, that's all. I'll work for you for a month. Let give me the opportunity to prove." my worth to your business because that's what it's all about is the person who's going to hire you or employ you wants to know what you can offer what, to the what, business. What do you bring to the party? Exactly. And a lot of people don't realize that business runs on resources and every single person owns one resource. They might not own capital and equipment, but they own a human resource. That's what they have to sell to the business. You are selling your labor, your services, and the better that labor and service is, the more indispensable and the more important you will be yes. to the organization. And sometimes you've got to do the, the thing which most people want, oh, I'm not prepared to work for nothing. Why? If working for one month for free to show how good you are means you get a job, for the next 10 years. Isn't that yes. one month why, worth Why not? It? Yes, for sure. I keep telling my group of young people that I work with in a local squatter camp, the young men, I say to them, if you get a job, work so that your boss, the owner of the company, becomes a millionaire. And when things are tight and they start closing down and people start losing their jobs, guess who's going to go first? The hard worker with a good attitude who's bringing in you know, his side of the game or the ones that are lying around, sitting outside, drinking tea during work, work hours. You know what I mean? It's, it's pretty obvious. That's exactly right. Yes. And so another thing, uh, Nicole, I'd like you to comment on this, but in in the area that we work in, in, in our specific township, I was speaking to one of the community leaders and he said to me, um, Charles, if you have a meeting in this township, in the local community hall or church hall, and you said... Um, the topic was how to start your own business. He said the place would be empty. If you had a meeting that said how you can get a job, he said you wouldn't have enough chairs for everybody. The, the hall will be crowded. And so there seems to be this um, attitude where people don't want to take any risk. Maybe it, it's very complicated. Uh, you know, I don't know that. You've been in the business world. Are people scared off because of the the paperwork, the challenges? Is there too much risk? What stops somebody from just starting their own little enterprise? So, Charlotte, I think all those things, like the paperwork, the red tape, and um, the know-how. So, in other words, um, you might have a skill um, like sewing, and we've discussed this before, we are, are busy helping um, people who are doing a sewing course, but you don't know the first step of starting your own business. Now, I don't think it's a bad thing for if you do want to have your own business to actually work for someone else first, because you will get experience, you'll also know and understand um, how you will what you want to see in your employees, and you will um, be able to identify those factors. So, 
having getting a job with someone, um, taking on a job is a great idea. And I just want to backtrack just a little bit. So when we said handing out CVs and that, just if I can just give a tip. The first thing is make sure your CV doesn't have any spelling errors. Make sure your CV has the correct phone number on it. Take pride in it. Exactly. And just one page. It doesn't have to be a long, fancy CV. Just one page with your details on there, nicely laid out um, and honest. Um, So it doesn't have to be a multiple page. In fact, you know, when you don't have very much to put on your CV and you make a double spacing and font 14 or whatever so that it goes over three pages – the person is not impressed by that. You know, that mm. that they would prefer just one page and it's done. And then um, the next thing is, is you need to think about your attitude. So when it comes, if you're granted um, an interview, the very least you can do is arrive on time. In fact, arrive early. So if we were interviewing people, we would say, please, can you come on Tuesday at nine o'clock or whatever it was? Does that suit you? Yes, it does. Okay, and don't be late. If you're going to be late, then don't bother coming because that is the first impression. Well, the CV is the first impression, but Mm. the first personal impression is you coming for the interview. So if you can't even get to an interview on time, then don't bother going. So make sure you're there and make sure you look neat and tidy. You don't have to wear a suit or, or, you know, Mm. go over the top. Be presentable. Exactly. Mm. And find out about the um, person who is employing you. Just think about their culture. You know, they might expect you to stand up and shake their hand when they walk into the interview room and greet them. Then do that. Mm. Um, And switch off your phone. Um, Have a copy of your... ID book or mm. whatever, those little things. Don't, show that don't answer your cell phone if it rings um, during the interview. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know it sounds like common sense, but just um, you know, those things all put together will set an impression about your attitude. And the person who's going to offer you a job, they're not doing – well, they are actually doing you a favor by giving you a job. You're not doing them a favor by working there. Mm. And for sure, we don't want anybody to take advantage of anybody else. Either way, either way, sure. Definitely. So you're selling your labor and they will pay you a fair price. But don't act like you're doing them a favor by working there. Um, And don't rip them off. If you, you you know, your salary or perhaps you're somebody who's in a service industry and you are providing a service so you bill by the hour – don't rip people off. People, are, You're not the only person that they're going to interview or the only quote that they're going to get. Rather get a job at a slightly lower rate and have a consistent income than no job at a higher rate. Yes. I, I found, uh, Nicole, thanks for that. That, that um, is very important. Uh, I found when I lived overseas in another Western nation that the people that I did business with or came to my home to fix things had a very long-term view they were seeing me as a client for the next 20 years. And so they were reasonable. They were good at their work. They didn't try and rip me off. I don't find that in South Africa. Uh, my general experience has been, let me take as quick advantage of Charles as I possibly can. After all, there's four and a half million people in Cape Town. He won't be my client again, but there's lots of other people I can go go find. Lots of fish in the sea. And, um, and I can't say that, obviously, for every single person out there. Lately, I've been very impressed with the kind of service I've been getting. Um, and uh, so that, that does make a difference. But um, what 
what part does Christianity play in our work environment? In other words, you're an employer, uh, you have people coming along. Uh, I've read an article a while back from an atheist, a British atheist, saying that when he travels in Africa, he says, I don't, I've got no issue with Christianity. I'm an atheist. I don't care what people believe. But when I travel in Africa and I need a place to stay for the night, he's talking about darkest Africa, he says, I look for a Christian mission station. <laughs> he says, I trust everybody there that I'll be able to have a good night's sleep and I can carry on the next day. But does one find this kind of idea that Christianity and people's uh, Christian faith actually impacts their work and their environment? Um, Charles, to a degree, uh, and, I, and I imagine, or not I imagine, I'm speaking from the experience of, that's from both sides, the employee and the employer. So, yeah, there were times if you came into our business, uh, I've, I may have been shouting. Uh, I may have been upset about something, uh, equipment that's been damaged, a job that hasn't been done right, a substandard product that got through umpteen checks and no one picked up the mistakes. So, yes, if I'm being honest, you would have thought, mm, okay, that's not a pleasant guy to be around. Um, but there was context to it. Not that that makes it acceptable, but there was context to it. The same applies to an employee. Um, we should be both working for the glory of God to reflect Jesus. You know, this is a fallen world, so that's the, that's the end goal in a sense. That's what we should be doing. Mm. But we both fall, mm. employer and employee. The point is if that becomes habitual the norm. on both the employer's mm. part and the employee. So is the employee habitually taking advantage? Do they not care about the expensive equipment that's been put in to actually make their job easier, mm. for which they have been trained and their skills have been improved? You almost, on both sides, employer and employee, must remind themselves every morning of the blessings they both enjoy. Um, and you're right. The employer is the one who takes the risk, puts the capital up. Um, could be that in our case, we took an, a mortgage on our house. So if things had gone south. And lots of people don't understand that um, yeah. from the employee's perspective. I was just chatting to somebody randomly standing in a queue with me at a store. And I said to him, ah, oh, today's been payday. The store is very busy. And we got chatting, a very nice, very amicable man. And I said, ah, oh, now all the employers are sitting with no money in their account, you know. He says, yeah, but they're all rich and they had the money to give to us in the first place. So I said to him, sir, I'm telling you that in South Africa now, after two years of virtually no business, these people have mortgaged their houses to pay you. And if anything goes wrong, they're going to lose their home. And he, he was shocked. He was completely surprised. He's never heard this in his life before. And that's a reality. Uh, getting back to the issue of you know, frustration from, from both perspectives, I've got a friend that was running a, a, a quite a large mission base uh, near Cape Town. 
And you're telling me, you know, you have the same thing there. You've got people with troubles and problems and drug addicts and that coming through and you're helping them and you're supporting them and you're providing food for them and they expect to do, to do some work around the mission base and then there's carelessness and they break your stuff and they smash things if they, you know, if they're yeah. going through their uh, rehab or whatever. So he used to get mad, <laughs> get very upset with yeah. them. And he said the Lord really had to do a work in his heart to calm him down and to think through these issues and be more helpful. He said, to the extent that one day one of the workers came up to him and said, Uncle, have you got saved in the last week? <laughs> this guy has been a Christian for like 20 or 30 years and somebody wants to know if he got saved last week because he's, he's more relaxed now yeah. trying to work through these issues. But uh, I'm Charles van Veek. We're talking about how one goes about uh, getting a job in South Africa. Now, we're talking to uh, former employers, people that have employed uh, people in their business around a business of about 50 people, Ian and Nicole. It's just wonderful chatting to them because I think it's very important for us on the ground to understand the perspective of employers when we approach them, when we want to work for them, and we want to um, put into action um, all the nice things we write about on our CVs. And so uh, we need to have a good idea of where to go, how to start, and what should be expected of us. So, um, Nicole, when we're dealing with these um, issues and we're looking at the starting point, we're going around, and we, as Ian put it, we got our foot in the door – how does one build confidence? Uh, we, we've got a big struggle in our communities and in South Africa generally where people sometimes are completely overconfident and they actually can't do anything. They're useless. <laughs> and then on the other side, you've got people who underestimate their working abilities. And when they get stuck in, they just, they're phenomenal. They're just really a blessing to everybody around them. But how does one get started? Where do we put our foot forward as far as that's concerned? Okay, so I think attitude is a massive um, role here. So often, and we would look at this, often employers will look at the person who's got the right attitude and some skill rather than all the skill but no um, correct attitude and think that they're doing you a favor. So your attitude goes a long way. The other thing is your work ethic. Um, do you consistently arrive late for work? You know, make sure that you arrive early for work. Um, you Even if your employer doesn't notice the first time, the second time, and you maybe you have a clocking in system, the trend is going to be there. They're going to see that you are always late for work. When you have a break, make sure your break is, if it's 10 minutes, it's 10 minutes. If it's an hour, it's an hour, not an hour and five minutes. Um, and then we used to experience quite odd things, which people think um, you don't notice, but um, feedback is quick off the factory floor to um, the people that need to know. You know, don't spend half an hour in the toilet every sort of three hours. Like, that's unacceptable. You know, you're there to do a job. And like we said just now, you need to take the attitude that you are working for Christ. And that would be great if everyone um, did take that attitude. And don't be over-the-top expectant. You know, your your um, employer would have negotiated with you. Remember that you signed a contract at the beginning. You agreed with the employer what you were going to be paid, what your leave days were going to be, and all those kind of nitty-gritty things. Um, if you decide that, you know, no one's going to notice, but I'm going to repeatedly be sick on a Friday or on a Monday, 
I promise you, your employer is not stupid. They mm. are going to notice. Things like that don't go unnoticed. Um, if you are supposedly sick after payday repeatedly, maybe not every month, but every second month or even, you know, three times or even twice in the year, that goes noticed. All of mm. those kind of things together put up a um, perception of what you like. Um, and how reliable you are when someone needs to be promoted. You're not going to get that promotion if you are the person who's always sick, if you are the person who has the attitude of, oh, I am entitled to this many sick day leaves according to the Basic Conditions of Employment Act, so I'm going to take those days. Take it anyway. Yes. that's Those are sick days. You don't know what could happen in the future and if you really needed them. Yes, and you could use them all up. And Definitely. Then, yes, at the end, yeah, and that causes big trouble later. Definitely. And also, I don't want to, if I need someone who's re reliable, I don't want to put the person in place who has been sick um, consistently, whether I know they are lying about being sick or whether they genuinely are sick. Mm. Well, I need someone who's going to be there. I don't have to hesitate to think, are they going to be at work tomorrow? Aren't they going to be at work tomorrow? Mm. You know, you need to have that consistency. Mm. So your work ethic is really important. Mm. And honesty. You know, I've, I've, we've had people where we, we're running uh, a program in our ministry uh, to provide food for people that have been struggling and still are struggling with the after effects with joblessness after COVID and all these sure. sorts of things. And um, so we will have people working in the gardens and on two occasions or two places, they've broken our Wi-Fi cabling. No, I mean, that's an accident. Yes, definitely. I, I can't get upset with something like that. I mean, who would have known, you know? But what they did was they hide the information from you. So now it takes the um, the Wi-Fi people two weeks to try and discover where the break is. And they've got to do all kinds of tests over and over to try and find when. When they could have just said, uh, you know, Uncle Charles, uh, we, we snapped through the Wi-Fi and we literally, within 24 hours, we could have been up and running yes, with the exactly. Wi-Fi again. Um, and so it's this kind of thing where you're hiding information that's yeah. pertinent to the, the work that needs to be done. Um, and you're not just being open and truthful about it. Um, I, I get more upset from people hiding information from me than just coming straight forward and saying, look, we, we've broken, you know, we've broken the system. But we just got a few minutes left. Uh, uh, yeah, and any ideas? Yeah, Charles, I, I support that entirely. A lot of my anger and frustration in the workplace would often come from um, – no one speaking up because if we can do preventative maintenance on equipment it's so much better than a breakdown which and like you say in the case of a broken fiber line struggle for parts and things exactly and, yes. and that's people just not being honest okay sometimes i'm not saying this in your case but in our case sometimes it was a result of a delinquent employee who just didn't care and then that made it a double whammy because you got someone who doesn't care, they're not communicating, and then you have a breakdown. So, yeah, that would press all the wrong buttons mm. for me. And it affects everybody. Yeah. It affects all the other employees who are trying to get their work done because yeah. you have a, uh, what you call it, <laughs> you know, sort of labor moves around the Yes, exactly. Because uh, you've got to remember that, that the organization is a team. Yes. So everyone gets paid because everyone does their job so sure. that's like the body of christ you know you cut your hand the, 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 cut the hand off and the body's going to suffer mm. the organization is a team so when you join a business you are joining that team it's not just for you mm. it's not just for your boss it's for your colleagues standing next to you on your left and your right mm. it's for the people above you and below you because all of you are depending on that organization to pay 
your salary at mm. the end of the month. Sure. Some people get more, some people get less, but everyone is depending on the organization mm. for what they get from it. You've got to do your part. Yeah. And I think um, it's been very interesting talking from a perspective of an employer, and that's exactly why you are in the studio. I mean, really thank you for being so open about it because we too often from both perspectives, we we – we're very presumptuous. We presume things that we actually don't know about. Uh, for instance, the idea of you know bonding your home to be able to keep the company running. You know, I've had a friend who started a business, and he had a he had to bring in a manager and things. He would fly to England to go earn pounds to keep his company running long enough to where it could be profitable. I spoke to another businessman just a few weeks ago and they were telling me that they've been running their business for 12 years and they're only now starting to see profits. So obviously they've been drawing a salary, but from a businessman's perspective, you don't only want your salary. The whole idea of taking the risk is to get returns on your capital that you've put in. Um, And so anyway, we we need to end off. uh, Final comments from you, Ian, and final comments from Nicole. Yep, Charles. So really, uh, folks, if you're out there, Get out there, hand out the CV, do what Nicole and I have spoken of, what Charles has spoken of. Offer your services. If it's a matter of getting a foot in the door for free for a month, which will give you a job thereafter, do it. Yeah, and I think in closing, just remember the message that we all have. Work um, to the glory of Christ. Work like you're working for Christ every day. Um, and in all the big things and all the little things. So that's from us. Yeah, no, Nicole, thank you very much for joining us. It's been wonderful having you on the program. Thanks, Shaw. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks, Shaw. Well, we are closing off. Thank you very much for joining uh, Salt and Light. And I'm Shaw von Weck. Have a good day.